Wow. Uh, thank you, Brother Reed, for that beautiful introductory organ music. No, thank you, Brother Reed. <laughs> Magic fingers on this guy. Oh, behave. And thank you all for coming to this oh-so-secret and important service today. An exclusive service only for the most grating of story congregants. The tallest and, and, and broad-shoulderest. Yeah, the fucking meatiest and grisliest Brother Reed. The story must be told. The story must be told. I am not a small man. I am legion. Yeah, I'm a big, tall legion. I am clean. I am a sudsy boy with smooth hands. Yeah, take a picture. Put me in your catalog, Mr. Macy. Yeah, but that don't mean I can't slop some mud in my pockets and get down to grits. <laughs> this guy knows what I'm talking about. I do. <laughs> You're a fucking goofball. <laughs> I love you. Oh, behave. All right, here comes a psalm from someone near and dear to part of my heart, Brother Reed. Thank you, Brother Reed. Oh, you're uh, very welcome. <laughs> a man rides the train between the cars. No support. Death a misstep in any direction. Hands moving wildly, mouth screaming words I can't hear from my seat next to the door. These are my anxiety guesses. He is brandishing a weapon and means to make the news today by destroying me, the youngest man. He is drunk, and as the train rises over a bridge, he will leap or slip between, and I must watch. He is mystery high, and as the train rises over a bridge, he will enter the car, take my hand, and together we suffer his delusion over the edge as the doors clack shut. He raises an arm, and I see his cellular phone. He is filming himself, a shining star in his own head. My anxiety dissolves. There are insanities we fear, but more we tolerate. <laughs> I remember that. I was scared. Wow, what a psalm. Thank you. No, no, no. Thank you. Oh, well, it's nothing. In fact, I mean, this is something I've been thinking about, and I thought... Get on with it! <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Who called that out? What a remarkable young man. A thoughtful young man. Oh, behave. <clears throat> Today's story is kinda gross. Yeah, yeah, PG nobody. You betcha. <clears throat> uh, Brother Reed. Thank you, Brother Reed. <clears throat> From the Book of Hot Palms. Written by Brenda Goodtime. A story titled... You're gonna touch my hand. Gribben woke up late. Oh shit in my mouth! Minutes later, he was shirtless and brushing his teeth. 
He began to change his boxers when he stopped. Due to the peculiar bends of his apartment, there were few places he could stand where a neighbor could not see him. He looked through the window by his dresser and could see the woman across the alley, a widow who yelled at her dog. She stared through him, spraying silent words, two of which were scum and fuck. Gribbon stepped two feet back, but entered the view of the man upstairs, across the air shaft, who did whippets by the canister. He was a pleasant man, who snorted industrial-grade compressed air. When he dumped the empties in the recycling bin, it sounded like hundreds of marbles. Gribbon backed against the wall next to the hot radiator and pressed himself flat. Save someone peering across the backyards with binoculars, or someone hiding down in the rat-infested alley between the apartments, no one could see him naked. He dropped trow, careful not to wobble, lest someone see his penis. The song in his head was Funky Town. Gribben had to get out of work early today. His cousin was in town for some mysterious medical procedure. His mother didn't tell him what, but she asked him to represent the family. Gribben had never met the cousin. He had 36 cousins, and another 20 he called cousins but were either uncles or children of cousins or neighbor kids absorbed into the fold. His family tree was as crooked as his apartment. Gribben tore down two winding flights of stairs for the street. He decided he would tell his boss he had a family emergency. It wasn't entirely a lie. He was meeting his cousin in the hospital after all. Maybe he could get a doctor to sign something. He raced out the door and turned right towards Myrtle when he heard a voice from the alley. I saw you. <laughs> he stopped as though lassoed. He couldn't move. The alley between apartment buildings was narrow and pitch black, save the blinking glint of animal eyes. He peered inside. Uh, uh, hello? I saw it! <laughs> and now I know. A knotted face emerged from the shadow. You're gonna touch my hand. <laughs> Gribben fell slow motion onto his bottom. A crouching, rag-covered figure scraped his bad leg toward him from the alley. <coughs> A scurry of black, shiny beetles hissed out his prelude, and Gribben screamed as they passed under his bent knees. He backed away on palms and ass, scraping pebbles of broken glass into the seat of his pants. Get back! D don't touch me! The figure stepped into a scant beam of light. His skeleton seemed crammed into his skin, extra angles making elbows of each straight bone. He made a rattling, unusual cough. <coughs> he settled himself and smiled broad. Touch you! No, no. I'm not gonna touch you. It's you who's gonna touch me. You know why? Gribben shook a cautious no. Cause you're gonna touch my hand. The angular man thrust his hand into the light and Gribben screamed a scream that died quickly. He had expected a gun or a knife, 
but in the man's bulging, gloved hand, there was nothing. Empty as it was, it unsettled Gribbon the more he stared. He tried to get a better look, but the stranger retracted the gloved appendage. Gribbon staggered to his feet. I... I can't... I'm sorry, I... I can't help. I... I... I, you know, I... I gotta get to work. Gribbon began to walk away, shaking his head in disgust, when the rag-shrouded mouth broke into song. Run away! Try to hide! You're gonna touch my hand! Tell yourself you'd rather die! You're gonna touch my hand! Plead and beg for the right! You're gonna touch my hand! By my side every night! You're gonna touch my hand! Gribbon filled his Garfield mug with coffee. He had to quit after one cup because of the jitters. His palms itched, every knuckle swollen in pain. Keep it together, Gribbon! He tried to write emails, but he kept misspelling words. Tom, Krisker in accounts payable needs the login hand password. And, not hand, he erased the H. Um, for his GRS account hand email too. Hand. He erased the H. Run away. Gribbon's stomach twisted. He didn't know if he needed to use the bathroom or eat. He swiveled his chair to face his cubemate. Sarah, I'm going to the bathroom. He withheld a burp. You need any? She stared at him like he was brandishing a knife. Ex- excuse me? Um, um, I mean, um... I, I'm going to the kitchen to, to use the bathroom if, um, if, if you, uh... She put a hand to her mouth. Gribbon, you look terrible. Did you touch something bad? Bells rang in Gribbon's ears. What did you say? I said, did you eat something bad? Gribbon shook his head like a sick dog. Yeah, 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 of course. I'm just... I, I'm gonna go to the kitchen and squat this out. Try to hide. Mrs. Waterbury stopped Gribbon on his way to the bathroom. Gribbon, glad I'm catching you. Listen, clean time really fucked us. We're all gonna need to pull a late night tonight. Gribbon didn't need to use the bathroom anymore. Everything inside him scrunched into a little ball. No! The woman's mouth fell slack. No? No, no, I mean, um, no, I, I, I can't do that. Yeah, I get that. Why? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to have a family emergency. Mrs. Waterbury's mouth puckered. You're going to have an emergency? What, you, you penciled something in? No, 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 it's my cousin, I, I swear! Mrs. Waterbury stormed away. Cousin, sure, fine. Leave early. See if you have a job when you come back. You're gonna touch my hand. Gribbon stayed in the bathroom for an hour, 
Nausea came in waves, followed by an intense heat that soaked his shirt. Every few minutes, another co-worker came in to relieve himself. Gribben listened as 60% of them washed their hands. He could picture their palms sudsing in the sink, the playful dart of fingers, the gentle caress of knuckles. Their imagined hands bulged and quaked, dripped and pulsed. He snapped his eyes open. He had drooled down his polo. Tell yourself you'd rather die. Please tell me you aren't leaving early, Sarah said when Gribben came back from the bathroom. Oh, oh, you heard? Yeah, you know, it's a family, um, family emergency. Sarah frowned. Then all your work falls on me. Her hands joined in front of her chest. Don't do this, Gribben. Please, I can't sleep at my desk again. Please don't do this. I'm sorry, I have to. Gribben replied, each word smaller than the last. Sarah began crying when Gribben left his desk at four. As he weaved between workstations, co-workers shook their heads and mouthed rude words, including fucker, liar, and Gribben. The song in his head was not Funky Town, but another refrain. You're gonna touch my hand. Gribben waited on the subway platform, yet when the train to the hospital arrived, he did not board. Sweat pooled in his pits and buttocks as he boarded a train for the opposite direction. He rode at 15 stops, swaying and muttering. Hello? Gribben was back home outside the alley. He called into the dark gap between brick walls. Listen, I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you, you think you, you scared me? I'm not scared of you. I'm not. He crunched into the alley. The cement was littered with bones of rats and chickens, but this wasn't what crunched. Hundreds of black beads glittered under his feet, a gothic quinoa. He squinted into the pitch darkness, crunched from the front of the alley to the back. He had forgotten the man's face, but he could recall every stitch of the glove. He wiped his mouth. He was drooling again. Hello! No one was there. Gribben arrived at the hospital 40 minutes late. He checked in with the reception desk. Hi, I'm here to visit my cousin. Visiting hours are over. No, 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 please. The puppy dog look on Gribben's sweat-shining face filled the woman with pity. She sighed. Do you have the patient's name? Gribben could not remember his cousin's name. Had his mother ever said it? Um, no. You don't know the name? N not the first, but, but but I think I know his last name. You think? It's my last name. The woman was silent. Um, Tibbins, with a T. She clacked on her keyboard, side-eyeing Gribbon the whole while. Room 522. Bye.
by my side every night. Gribben took the elevator, then turned right at the fork for rooms 510 to 526. The colors were wrong, tinted violet, stained like a tissue biopsy. He did not pass patients in the hallway, nor a nurse, a doctor, or a custodian. The lights were dim, and the tiles squelched under his feet, waterlogged and disjointed from the floor. He held his shirt over his mouth, but could not escape the hot stink of stagnant water. Every door was closed, except for the door to room 522. Hello? Cousin? Two beds occupied the room, each veiled by curtain. On both beds lay a shadowed, reclining figure. Gribben thought they were dead, until he heard shaky, labored breathing. The far figure turned towards Gribben. He could swear it was watching him. He approached the first bed as though running away. Cousin, is this you? Fighting reluctance, Gribben pulled the curtain back. An older man in his late forties sat in the bed, dressed in a hospital gown. He stared straight ahead at an unplugged TV. Hey, um, cuz? The man made no movement. I'm so sorry I'm late. Uh, It's me, Gribben. I'm your cousin, Gribben. The cousin would not regard him. I, I I guess you're mad at me. I get that. I tried to come early. You don't know what it's like in this city. Those stupid trains. But I'm here now. The cousin's silence ate at Gribben, gnawed at his fingertips. We don't have to talk, you know, if you don't want. Are you... Are you scared about the procedure? What was the procedure? Hey, you know, don't you... You'll be fine, I'm sure. The words did not reassure. The man seemed to quake where he sat, vibrate. Maybe he just needed human contact. Here, let me join you. Gribben took a seat next to the cousin, and this close choked on the smell of rot. The shadowed figure on the other bed was standing now, witnessing. With his weight on the bed, the cousin slumped to the side against Gribben. The skin felt like paper. A faint clicking tick, tick, ticked inside the man like dozens of wet gears. Yeah, lean in, that's all right. I'm here for you. I'm... Gribben thought he felt a rat claw scratching his ear. He jumped from the mattress. As Gribben rose, the cousin tilted and fell off the bed. Gribben watched as the head made impact with the floor before the rest of the body. The neck snapped to the side with all the endurance of a flower stem, then tore free. Oh my god! Oh my fucking god! The body convulsed without the head and seemed to deflate as the contents of the body crawled for safety. Hundreds of shiny black exoskeletons streamed from the open neck cavity. No blood, no bone, no meat or gristle. Just resplendent, tiny bodies. Gribbon's screams alerted two attendants from the hallway. He heard their footsteps approach and mistook them for aid. My, my, my cousin! My, my, my cousin! You, you have to help! You have to! His pleas fell silent. The two figures standing at the door did not look well. 
Were they patients? What was the ailment they shared? Their scrubs were stamped with dirt and ash, their faces scratched and puffy. One reached out for Gribbon, and climbing his bare arms were dozens of dark, cloudy skin bubbles. No! Gribbon screamed as the nearest one pounced. He evaded the grasp and ran out the door, looking for the stairs. He found an exit sign and made two more steps when arms wrapped around his legs. The other orderly tackled him. He didn't try to catch himself, reaching out for the green glow of the sign. His chin hit the floor, and all was black. Gribbon awoke on an exam table, strapped about his arms, legs, and abdomen. He rattled against the restraints. People stirred in the shadows, surgeons and nurses, more orderlies, all sharing the same swollen faces and glistening arms. Gribbon saw surgical implements, blades, and clamps. What are you going to do to me? He barked at the cowering figures. Tell me! A voice called from the darkness. You're gonna touch my hand. Gribbon screamed anew as the angular figure dragged his bad leg into view. No! No, no, no! No! The man began to slick the oily regs from his body, revealing glistening skin over bulbous tumors. Gribbon began to cry. Please, he begged. Take me back to my cousin. I promise, I swear, I swear, I won't tell anyone. The stranger began to laugh. <laughs> He then coughed. He wiped dark spittle from his mouth. You think that was your cousin? He, 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 he was waiting for me. It, it's I. I am the cousin of every soul who touches one eighth of my genetic material swirls inside every toucher. Next, you know why? Gribbon shook his head. You're gonna touch my <laughs> The man lowered his glove, and a supplicant surgeon crawled to his leg. She bit at the empty fingers of the glove and tugged, tugged, tugged. With the juicy sound of suction, the glove slipped free and Gribbon beheld the appendage. Oh my god! Attached to the stranger's wrist was no conventional hand. The fingers were but chunky nubs on a bulbous base, weeping from strange ribbed apertures that expanded and contracted in lazy breaths. It smelled like fennel. <laughs> you silly silly. It's my hand, and you're gonna touch it. No, 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 no! But none of his objections could stop the stranger's approach. He pulled against his restraints, but they would not give. 
the stranger lifted his hand as Gribbon twisted his head either way like a child refusing medicine. He bit his lip until he tasted blood, smelling the dripping pus just an inch shy from his cheek. And then, contact. Oh! Wow! Gribbon's demeanor brightened at once. Wow, wow, wow! Right? Holy shit! I told you. Oh my god, I love that! Thank you. Well, I should've. Oh man, that rules! So good, right? So good! You want more? Hell fucking yeah! The stranger caressed Gribbon's neck and shoulders. Gribbon seized on the table, incapacitated by sudden delight. <laughs> yeah! Gribbon spat up a thick burst of vom, beady like tapioca. <laughs> Rock and roll! That was even better! It's really nice, isn't it? How do you do that? It's like, <laughs> man, it's this radical. The way it's so slippery? And the firmness. Totally, yeah, yeah, the firmness. I love the thing you do at the end, too. It's like, it's like... Man, I don't even know what it's like, but I love it! God damn! What do you call that thing? It's technically a general. <laughs> well, technical or not, I friggin' love it! Thank you. Wow! Just wow! <laughs> Sorry I keep saying wow, but that's like the reason the first guy said wow. It is, though, I swear, man, I, can I, can I, do you, do you mind if I? You want another? <laughs> you know it. Okay, okay, just one more. The stranger wiped the dripping bulb hand up and down Gribbon's face as he smacked his lips. That's the fucking business right there. Is anything different? Gribbon thought on this. I... I can't remember my parents! The small audience broke into polite applause. Yeah! Gribbon said. I can't even remember their names! <laughs> and do you miss them? Gribbon blew a raspberry. As if... <laughs> Gribbon. He fell to his knees, giggling. <laughs> Take me! <laughs> Take all of me! It is already done. The entire room of the stranger's devotees began to chuckle, then roar with laughter. The wet, hiccuping mirth paused as one of the nurses bent in half. Her torso ripped from her pelvis like a pinata succumbing to children. Dark beetles poured from the halves, scattering to the darkness. 
Then the laughter resumed. The surgeons untethered Gribbon and hoisted him on their shoulders in triumph. The stranger spoke and each one joined in turn until their speech became a chorus. You're gonna touch my hand. They're 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 gonna touch my hand. The story must be gone. Well. For those congregants who hate bugs, you know who you are. I offer a sincere and heartfelt shrug of the shoulders. <laughs> what can I say? Sometimes the story is bugs, baby. The story must be told to that. Yeah, you said it, buddy. A real TSMBT right there. Hey, the more you fear our bug cousins, the more they're gonna make bug love. And that makes more bugs, which makes more... Uh, uh, hello? <laughs> Fucking... What do you want, Chalms? Well, I'm sure it sounded like a big crowd, but uh, as you can see, it's just me, a brother Reed. Okay, 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 let me stop you there. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. I can only exist in one location. I'm Big BR, <laughs> a humble servant of the story. And that's all I've ever been. Goodness gracious, Chomes, you get dumber and dumber every week. <laughs> all right, get out of here, you rascal. I miss my body. That was The Story Must Be Told. This is liturgical director Carl, and this is Getchell's Practical Exercises for Trumpet, book one, number one. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TSMBTPod. Follow the clergy there as well. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash the story must be told. And we have a new trailer up on Spotify for you to share with the uninitiated. That's all for now. See you in two weeks. Until then, amuse yourselves and annoy your neighbors with an instrument. McGlorick, why is your voice so scratchy scratchy? It's going to make my scratch scratch and my larynx larynx. Oh, daddy, pour some castor oil down my throat so I can breathe again. Ahem, continue on. The story must be told. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.